Hi, everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. When a person becomes chronically ill, someone, whether it's a family member, friend, or licensed professional, assumes the responsibility of caretaker. This person becomes the support for the ailing individual and can sometimes forget about their own health and wellness. In this episode, Ms. Simone Blackwood, gerontologist and certified dementia care practitioner, joins me for a care session for caretakers. Hi, Simone. Hello, Alandra. Hi to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for having me on your platform today. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate this conversation because I myself have fallen into the role of caretaker. So it's something that's near and dear to me now. Um, So tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Some of your training and things like that. Okay. Well, my name is Simone Blackwood. I am a Trinidadian. Uh, However, I spend a lot of time uh, within my teenage years in Grenada. I do have family there. So I think I'm a little bit of mixed, um, you know, heritage, Caribbean heritage. So I I got the Spice Island and I have Trinidad. Um, I my nursing, my background actually is in health. Um, I started my nursing um, training in Grenada at the local community college there. And I, uh, you know, I, I did some training. At first it was, I really wasn't interested in health. I was a bit scared of it because I always thought it to be so heavy. But I, I, I guess person saw what I didn't see. So I was propelled or pushed into um, taking different courses. I did courses at St. George's University, caring for different disabled persons. And then I started my nursing training and then it just went on from there. So I did my associate degree in nursing. Then I moved back to Trinidad where I did my uh, bachelor's degree in nursing. And then I went on to do my diploma studies, um, well, I did my master's first, but my master's is in business, which is weird. Um, but my uh, my postgrad diplomas are is in gerontology. So, and then I did additional training in dementia care, um, specifically the Montessori approach to dementia care, which is more of a behavioral approach. Yeah, um, and then of course I formed um, Dementia Care Solutions because I love working with families, I love working with patients, I expect senior peace and bunny and dear to my heart. And I just love working with them. And it, it makes me feel good that I'm able to assist families and that I am able to help siblings and that I am able to bring some sort of comfort um, to senior persons because sometimes it could be a little bit challenging so that's a little bit just a little bit I can't go on because we'll be here for a very long time (laughs) I totally understand and you talk about your company Dementia Care Solutions I think it's an amazing uh, platform where you address both person the patient as well as their family so we're going to talk a little bit about that today Um, many people are not aware of the impact of of illness on a family, um, there has to be some sort of mindset change for someone to become a caretaker. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, so Alondra, what happens is that most time when we think about illness, I think we, we just think about the illness itself, but we don't look at um, the ramifications or the impact it can have. Because when we look at an illness, remember illness affects a family. It affects the patient, one, because that patient are going through their stages. They're going through different emotions right? And then the family, it now takes an emotional toll on the family as well, because you, most times the families are not really prepared to deal with these type of issues. So the family members, what happened is that when patients, um, when persons become ill, you find that caregivers thrust themselves into a role. So they think of it as a moral or compass. I have to do this because it's my family. I have to do that because it's, it's, it's my brother, it's my sister, it's my grandmother, or it's my, my dad or mom. And they really don't think about the long-term effects psychologically and emotionally that happens to them. So let's look at some, some issues, Alandra. We have the emotional aspect of it. Yeah. So when you see your person in pain, it takes a toll on you, especially if you have not been prepped properly into the role because you don't know what you're going to expect. Mm-hmm. Then we have a psychological issue there between the, 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 the patient or your loved one and the family member. So within siblings, especially if there are siblings who are not in, within the same um, household, you find it to be a little bit challenging for them. Right. What we have to and oh, financially, financial is another aspect we have to look at. Are persons really equipped to take on such a strain financially? Because depending on the extent of the illness, what you find can happen is that if the if the family member in question has not made particular preparations, the caretaker now has to pick up that role right, and provide financially for that person. So there are so many um, different, uh, you know, angles we could look at this, but the impact is really serious. And we have to take specific, we pay specific attention to persons who are, um, who really didn't think about it, but just thrust themselves into it because they think they didn't have a choice. Um, it's, it's, it's really difficult for those persons. Yeah, I, can agree with everything you said, because I sort of was thrown into that situation myself um, and just understanding what it took for me, not having to having seen the situation every day. You know, you talk on FaceTime and things like that, but being in that situation daily is a lot different from when you call for a couple hours on FaceTime every week. It so it is. And and you know, just to stick a pin there, if you don't mind, when we are speaking about it impact um, of the, the family member. I, I'll use dementia as, um, as, a, as an example, yeah? When we have a patient or we have a loved one, because we're talking about the care, care, caretaker here, so I have to keep that in mind. When you have a loved one with dementia, you're not just caring for the person with dementia, but you have to remember what are the manifestations of dementia? What are some of the, the, the side effects? What can you look forward to? What is going to happen in the future? Because that's what you, you're dealing with this now, but remember it's progressive, 
right? And certain illnesses are progressive. So when you say, hey, let me just, I am going to run into this. I'm going to do it. I don't have a choice. I'm just going to face this head on. We have to pay attention to what is going to happen in the future and ask yourself if you're mentally prepared for that. Because you're not just dealing with the illness, you're dealing with whatever um, what, what the prognosis is, you're dealing with other signs and symptoms. Again, I'll use dementia. Dementia is not only about memory loss. It's about that person um, losing their ADLs, their activities of daily living. So that behavioral changes as well. Correct. So you're talking about mood swings. You're talking about being able to care for a person who at some point in time will not remember who you are. You're caring for a person who will no longer know how to dress themselves, how to clothe themselves, how to groom themselves. You're now speaking to a person who really, at some point in time, they would not be around, you know, aware of their surroundings, right? So we need to look beyond the, the illness or look beyond the fact that, okay, this is what is in front of us now, but understand that there um, there's more to come and, and you know, it's, it's so much, so much to talk about, but I really want to stay on track. I just want to emphasize that there is more to come and you need to be aware of that because it's going to affect you psychologically, emotionally, financially, and in some cases, socially. Yeah. When I think about caregiving, I think about my grandparents and, um, you know, the elderly in my family who were doing it for so many years and they just got, um, I, I don't want to say used to it, but they, they were able to do it very carefree and, you know, able to handle these things. And then we look at millennials now having to assume these positions and it becomes even more of a task because we're so much more driven to, to business and to starting new things. And why is it so different? Well, generations are different, right? We have the baby boomers and the pieces before them and they were, they were used to caring for persons. Um, I think back... I, wouldn't, I don't want to say back in the days because I don't want to sing it far, you know, so far-fetched. But I think before, what we need to understand is that that was a different era. Uh, and most of them it was expected. Yeah, it was expected. It was something that was expected with our parents or grandparents. They did it so effortless, effortlessly. Um, millennials, however, we are from a total different era. We are so ambitious. We want things. So we are not satisfied with the simple life that our grandparents would have had. We are not satisfied. We are go-getters. We are entrepreneurs, starting businesses. We are, some, in some cases, first-generation persons who would have achieved master's, doctorate, that sort of thing. We are ambitious and we go to things. And so we think that if we were, if we were to go back into that role of care, we are taking a step back. So we're not moving forward with our lives. Wow. A lot of persons think that because you are, you're literally running away from something. And I know most persons don't see it that way, but if you really sit and you think about it, especially for persons who are first generation, um, graduates, college graduates in their family, they are literally running from something. They're running to a particular lifestyle. All right. Um, and I, the second thing is persons do not see caretakers sometimes professionally. 
So we've had issues now in the Caribbean, especially, where 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, anybody um, off the street could have been a, a caretaker. And now persons have to be trained. You, you have more information at your fingertips and all of that. So that's another reason why it's so difficult for millennials, because we are looking at a different lifestyle. It's a different era. And we have this is a different generation altogether. Yeah, so we are not, it's difficult for us to, to now jump into the role that our parents or grandparents once did so effortlessly. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we actually get into the role and we realize how difficult it is, because we would have thought at one point in time, it was a very easy job. I know a lot of persons who think being a caregiver is not hard. You just have to go look at the person, um, you know, give them something to eat. Just make sure they're tidy and put them right there so they could look at TV. And this is further from the truth. We have now a lot of technology. We have different medical uh, issues arising. There are so much things right now happening that the scope of care has changed. And it requires a lot more from caretakers to provide that care. A lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of patience, a lot of girth. It takes a lot of girth to actually become a caregiver now. So yeah, so it could be challenging for millennials because I mean, nobody really wants to think that they're going backward. Nobody wants to think that they're not progressing. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way. So you definitely put some things into perspective for me. Um, a lot of the times you have that one person, one sibling or parent that becomes the caregiver. They, be, they assume that role. Uh, and then there's a struggle with the rest of the siblings or the other parents or things like that. What are some techniques to, that you... Uh, would suggest to resolve conflict that may arise because not everyone may be pulling their weight as it seems. Right. Well, that's a very good question. It's a, it's a very important question, and I'm, I'm happy that you raised that question. What we find often within sibling conflict is, well, one of the reasons it happens, one, is because some siblings really don't understand how complex it can be caring for an individual, especially if they're not in the same household, yeah? And so, again, it goes back to millennials and perception, how hard it could be, how easy it could be. Um, so in a case where there are issues with siblings, what we want to do first, I think one of the main issues is because of ineffective communication. So persons do not speak about what is really happening. Sometimes you would say, well, I need help. But again, if your brother or sister doesn't have the, 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 the what should I say, um, if they're not directly involved, they may or may not know how difficult it could be for you or challenging it can be for you, right? So my technique, one of the things I always encourage persons, I encourage them to switch days, right? Mm. Somebody who's not pulling their weight, what you can do is tell them to take a day. And it's a simple technique because what it does when they come in for that one particular day, their foot is now, you know, the shoe is now on the other foot. So they now can experience what you are experiencing all the time. My second technique is 
well, I wouldn't call it a technique. I simply would say, speak to them and explain the challenges that is, you know, that you're experiencing. Because again, if the person is not um, in the household with you, chances are they may not understand how um, difficult it is for you. Right. So that's I, I firmly believe uh, in a situation like this, communication is the best bet. However, there are the siblings that you just can't find. There are those that just do not pull their weight. It matters not what you say. It matters not what you do. I just don't have the time for that. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time. I would say in situations like that, you don't beat a dead horse. If you can seek other support, because there are a lot of support groups, there are other persons, um, well, like myself, gerontologists, there are other persons, um, caretakers, there are a lot of different groups online and offline where you can seek support. And if you can pay to get some additional support, then you can do that. So when it comes down to that very difficult moment where there's a loss after many years of being a caretaker and being the sole person that the patient or you know the person they go to, there has to be another shift, right? Another mm-hmm. shift in how am I going to go back to my in life what what do I do you know I spend so much time trying to take care of this person now I need to possibly take care of me what are some of the steps to reinventing yourself after having been a caretaker for how many years this is so odd because my podcast next week is actually on reinventing yourself so I love this I love this (laughs) This is just really good. Um, Reinventing yourself. Uh, Usually in the case of uh, a loved one passing or so, Mm -hmm. person can find themselves at odds because they don't know where next. They don't know what's the next step. My three top tips always would be if the person has died, um, grieve. That's the first thing I would say, grieve. Yeah. Don't try to be strong. Um, you don't have to be strong for anybody. Um, you don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe anybody a brave face. Um, if the person has died, then you grieve. You go through the emotions of grief. You go through the stages of grief, of um, grief, sorry, the denial stage, you know, the anger stage. There's so there are the different stages. I think there are like seven different stages of grief. So you go through all of them. When you finish grieving, my next step is to encourage persons to do some introspection. Somewhere along the caregiving journey, persons have regrets. They may not admit it and they don't want to say it out loud, but sometimes they do. They're like, why did I do this? Why did I take on this role? Why did I do it? Why didn't somebody else do it? Why did this person get sick? And they have all those questions. And that's fine. But now you want to reinvent yourself. So what you do, you look at aspects within the caregiving journey where you thought you would have missed opportunities. The opportunities that you would have either you were not, you were too busy to pursue. Is that something you had a passion for? You write it down, you jot it down because that means it has some particular, you have an interest in it. 
right? Because you're thinking you're missing out on something. Mm -hmm. That another thing you can do, what part of the caregiving journey did you absolutely hate? What part did you hate? You jot that down as well. Because here's what it does. And I, I always say, person, sometimes we don't know what we want, but we all we, we definitely know what we don't want. Absolutely. Yeah? <laughs> we know what we don't want. We may not always know what we feel for, but we know what we, yeah, we, we, we know what we don't want. So in a situation like that, after you've um, you've jotted down or analyzed the opportunities that you thought you missed, what you can't do, you can take it a step further. Is it something now? Do you now have an opportunity to reinvent yourself? Do you now have that opportunity to go back and say, okay, well, um, my loved one has passed. What do I do next? I always felt that I wanted to be a journalist, but I, I never got the opportunity to go to school. Can I go back to school? That's just an example. <laughs> Can I go back to school? Should I go back to school? Um, do I have all the, the tenacity or... Is it that during the caregiving journey, my patient was wanting? Was I always upset? Was I grouchy, grumpy? Um, you know, do I want, um, do I, I don't want to have anything to do with missing, anything to do with caregiving, anything to do with patient care because it was just a horrible experience for me. It was just so terrible. I can't stand it. I don't want to take care of nobody. Um, I want to do something totally opposite. Right, so I, I'm seeing you smiling. I know the patients can't see us, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, these are the two things for me. Um, I, I always encourage persons to do within your caregiving journey. I want to plug in do not lose communication with persons, don't lose friendships, don't lose. Um, opportunities to go out and you know socialize with other persons because when you thrust yourself in a role what happens is that sometimes you forego relationships right you go relationships and you you find that the person doesn't understand what you're going through you don't have the time and and you just you know you you let a lot of relationships go and then what happens when that person passes on and you're trying to reinvent yourself, you literally have no friends. You have no it becomes lonely. To, to. It's a lonely journey. And caregiving can be a lonely journey. That's why self-care is really important when you're on that journey. And I always tell persons, do not feel guilty. If you can afford to have help even for one day, if you can afford to have help for one day, get the help. Get the you go to the hairdresser, you go to your nails, you go to your hair, go to the movies, go have a cup of coffee, you go out and you socialize and you maintain friendships because the journey will get lonely, it will get hard, it will get frustrating, and you will need someone there with you. Yeah, so those three things are always on my, my top three. Um, tips when I'm sharing for persons, when I'm sharing with persons, they're always on the, the front burner. Those are the first things I like to highlight when you're reinventing yourself. Um, figure out what your passion is. And if you can't figure out what your passion is, figure out what your, what your passion is not. 
and that can lead you towards you know if you can go um that will lead you lead you towards what you want to do absolutely i love that idea of staying connected with people because sometimes we become so consumed in being a caretaker that it's so easy to lose sight of friendships or relationships as you mentioned um so staying connected and staying connected even without being a caretaker is hard so it's going to take some work definitely and again it goes back i think again just to, to mention when you asked about millennials why it's so hard and so forth i mean again we are overachievers we we want to accomplish things we are go-getters and i think even then relationships become strained um, personal relationships become strained, friendships become strained, um, and it, it could be difficult. So even if there's one person that you can maintain a connection with, um, even if it, you know some days may go by, but always check in with that one person. Make sure you have that support, especially if you're having difficulties. Um, having uh, with, with, your, with your siblings, that support system is not there. With siblings, you definitely will need um, a friend. So you need to stay connected. Yeah. yeah. Well, Simone, thank you so much for sharing that with us. We usually have a segment where we cover myths associated <laughs> with healthcare. And I know there are a couple. Um, and I think we touched on some of them, especially in terms of sibling relationships and, and loss afterwards. Mm-hmm. But can you think of any other myths or misconceptions associated with being a caretaker and right. assuming that rule? Most persons think when you are a caregiver, you are a caregiver to an aged person. Um, and that is not necessarily true. There's persons who are caregivers to their siblings who may have ill siblings. So um, not when you hear the term caregiver, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking care of an aged person. Um, that's definitely a myth that we, we hear a lot, right? Um, one other myth I can think about when it comes to caregivers um caregivers are not professionals <laughs> so i had a client and um she was a therapist and she said she's not a caregiver although her grandmother has dementia and she was caring for her so i said to her you are a caregiver you may have a professional title but if that person is relying on you mm-hmm. um, to make certain decisions um, for them then you are there caretaker so mm-hmm. at times we think because we have a professional title attached we are not a caregiver but you, you are a caregiver and you should be proud to be a caregiver because it's a very hard job yeah it takes a lot <laughs> to be a caretaker uh, I, have, I have learned the hard way i have yeah. a lot of respect for folks who do it all the time and assume different roles and have multiple pay, um, clients that they take care of. Being a caregiver is hard and I respect them. I, 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 I respect caregivers. Absolutely. Well, Simone, we're out of time, but I just want to have you tell us any final thoughts that you may have on this topic, any advice you can give for caregivers like me? Uh, my advice would be, as I mentioned, uh, you know, stay connected, take care of your mental health, 
uh, get as much exercise as you can. Make sure your nutrition um, is, is good. Make sure you eat healthy because this job takes a lot of, um, it can take a toll on you, um, on your body as well. Um, you know, I, I also would encourage persons to get that family support, speak to the family, don't alienate your family. And if you feel that they have been alienated, um, you know, seek professional help. You can get a, a therapist, you can get a gerontologist like myself, or you can get um, anybody that you trust to intervene, um, especially if you're a millennial and it's, it's difficult for you to ask help. Do not be afraid to ask for help. That's what I want to leave you with. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you so much, Simone. And where can our listeners find you uh, and find out more about Dementia Care Solutions? Sure. Well, I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter, Simone Blackwood TT, and Clubhouse, Simone Blackwood TT. So they can connect with me on any four platforms. And I'm pretty easy to find. My last name is very unique. So I'm pretty easy to find. Thank you again so much, Simone. I really enjoyed this conversation. Very eye-opening. A lot of good tips and tricks to for me to assume in my own life. So I'm very happy to have you. And I hope we can have you back again soon. I am more than willing and happy to be back. And thank you so much for having me. This podcast represents the professional opinion of RX Rounds and its wellness partners. Our content is created for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for direct personal and professional medical care or diagnosis. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding your medical needs. If you enjoyed this episode, visit RX Rounds on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you next rounds on RX Rounds.